The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you once again on this uh, bright and beautiful Saturday, April uh, the 13th. I'm going to make sure that I've got the correct date. Um, we've got a couple of very, very good uh, uh, items to talk about today. And we've got an interview. At least we're going to try to get this interview in. Um, I'm scheduled to have a uh, interview with uh, U.S. Congressman Chip Roy about what's happening uh, up on the Hill, specifically talking about um, the uh, health care issue and uh, a few other items of, uh, of interest. So we're going to try to get him on the line, and hopefully uh, we'll get him in uh, for the uh, for the interview. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and start with the updates on what is happening uh, uh, on illegal immigration. I've been doing a lot of traveling. I was down in in uh, in McAllen and in uh, uh, in Corpus last week, uh, visiting with lots of friends and. Uh, you know, got got a real taste of what is going on down there. There was a report uh, that came out on uh, on Wednesday uh, regarding the, uh, the the border crisis, the the actual numbers. Uh, I mean, it, it's incredible, my friends. It's incredible uh, the the uh, number of people that uh, were intercepted that were caught. Now, these are the ones that were caught. Okay, these are the folks that were caught this past uh, uh, month. Uh, it's uh, it's outstanding. Out, I mean, it's beyond ridiculous, my friends. It's beyond ridiculous. Uh, a total of okay, you ready for this number? A total of a hundred and three thousand four hundred and ninety-two. That's uh, the, according to this. This is the highest number um, uh, of people in the past five years that have been intercepted at the border. In the past five years. Now, uh, again. Uh, we've got to remember that we've had these high numbers uh, a few years ago when uh, when Obama started letting the kids in and people started uh, sending their children as well as bringing children. Well, now it's it, it's back up again, my friends. Only the capacity at that point it was it was it was uh, people were able the the border patrol and customs and folks were able to um, to detain and hold folks, but now it's just overflowing. The agency seized uh, around 92,000 uh, illegal aliens on the southern border just just in March, and uh, that includes 53,000 what they call family units. Now, this is going to be a woman with a, a child at least, or a guy with a child. Uh, but then among among that number of 92,000 were also um, 8,900 unaccompanied kids, unaccompanied kids. What are we going to do with these kids? What are we going to do with them? Unaccompanied kids. So, uh, you know, the, crisis, the, the question it comes up, my friends, is this a crisis? Would, would you consider this a crisis at this point? Well, the Democrats are smirking and saying that um, Trump's hardline policies have created this immigration policy or problem, rather. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, this is very much a coordinated effort, both from inside the United States and outside the United States. And I'm not being I'm not being a conspiracy theorist. Here's here's what I am saying. Okay, within the United States, you've got uh, Democrats and liberal uh, media folks who excuse illegal immigration. Uh, They excuse the illegal aliens as the victims and they want to treat them all as refugees. Well, you can't treat them as refugees if they're not refugees. Okay, a refugee uh, is someone fleeing a uh, a war torn country. Uh, these folks are are fleeing poverty. A complete different situation, my friends. Now, I don't blame them for wanting to flee poverty, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. You know, they. Um, they provide the, the Democrats provide uh, and liberals they provide public benefits and oppose uh, the detention and deportation of these uh, of these folks of <clears throat> these illegal aliens. That's that's what's going on inside. Okay, outside 
You've got groups like No Borders and the criminal cartels, of course, who are organizing and facilitating the transportation of these folks to the border. Okay? The uh, No Borders folks, of course, are or, as an organization that just doesn't believe in borders, that they, people should be able to migrate from any country to any country without being hindered. Well, that's crazy. That's absolute nuts. Then, of course, you've got the criminal cartels, and they will do anything for a buck. Okay? And uh, some of these folks are paying thousands of dollars to the cartels to have them brought to the United States, at least to the border, and in some cases to have them sneak uh, I guess the word is snuck. I'm not sure. <laughs> but to have them uh, smuggled across the border, my friends. So, that you know, the cartels are making money off of this. And then, of course, there's the Central American and Mexican governments, the governments themselves where these people come from. And they're doing nothing. They're doing nothing to discourage and prevent illegal immigration of their citizens. They're doing nothing. The majority of these people, my friends, let's face it, the majority of these people coming to the United States are the poorest, least educated, lowest skill, and in some cases, the sickest of their country. And when they come here, my friends, they immediately create a burden to the United States, to the taxpayer. They immediately create a burden because we've got to put, up, put them up. We've got to take care of them. Uh, we've got to make sure that, uh, that they get educated. We've got to make sure that they're housed. I mean, it, it, this, is, this is the reality. They are the poorest and least educated and lowest skilled, and they immediately create a a burden on the United States taxpayer. Then, of course, my friends, there is the cultural aspects of it. And again, this is where so many liberals and Democrats uh, scream and yell about racism. Well, okay, here's the reality. With the exception of the black slaves that were brought from Africa, and that's a complete different situation from these Illegal aliens that are coming on their own, on their own dime, in fact. Complete different game. With the exception of the black slaves that were brought from Africa, forcefully, and these illegal aliens are not brought forcefully, uh, with that exception, the vast majority of of, of immigrants that have come to the United States came from Europe, okay? And they had similar religious and cultural values, and and they were expected to assimilate, i.e. to learn English. That's what they were expected. However, these aliens, these illegal aliens are from the third world, from a poor country, poor countries, with cultures that are very, very different from ours. Okay? Some of them, yeah, they, they may have Christian values, Christian religions, but their religious values are different from what we're used to here in the United States. The other thing is that we've got liberal political correctness that demands that the majority of the cultures, uh, the majority of these, uh, of these folks, that they don't have to assimilate, that the, the majority culture, in fact, that we, the majority culture, we have to accommodate them. And there's very little encouragement to assimilate. You have Telemundo, you've got uh, Univision, you've got uh, Radio Azteca. You've got all of these that facilitate them retaining and keeping their Spanish language. That's, uh, you know, I'm sorry, my friends, that really hinders the uh, unity of the nation. Absolutely. The language aspect of it, the cultural aspect of it. You know, I mean, it's 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 bad enough that we do have, you know, undercurrents of uh, of racism and of cultural uh, uh, problems in the United States. But then we're going to make it worse. We're going to make it worse. Even if the boundary is sealed today, my friends, here's my opinion. Even if the boundary is cl- the, the, the border, rather, even if the border is sealed today, What's America going to do with the millions of illegal aliens that are already here right now? Will they assimilate? And if so, what's going to be the cost to the taxpayer? Because we're already paying for bilingual education. We are paying for bilingual education, my friends. Lots of money goes into bilingual education. And in most cases, that bilingual education really doesn't serve to help assimilate, but rather it, it facilitates language segregation. So what's going to be the cost to, to get these folks to assimilate? Because you know that, uh, that uh, 
media outlets like Radio Azteca and uh, Telemundo and Univision, they're not going to go away. They're going to encourage people to continue speaking Spanish. Yeah. Well, you know, are we creating, my friends, two different societies, two different, different nations within our country? And these two nations, my friends, like all, like all groups, all cultures, all situations, these two societies are then going to struggle for the political and economic future of the nation. That's the reality, my friends. We have a situation on our hands that has grown and is growing exponentially every day, every day. Because one thing uh, that, that is, again, very, very different from the past immigration patterns that were controlled, yes, let's, let me use that word, controlled, this one is not. This one is everything but controlled. And on top of that, when the immigrant is already here, what you know? What? what how do you uh, assimilate them when you've got liberal policies? You've got liberals in general who don't want them to assimilate. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a very, very interesting uh, conversation with a uh, an African American uh, lady from uh, Houston who is angry beyond belief because she attends meetings in her uh, city council district and they are all in Spanish now. They are all in Spanish. And she just, you know, I mean, she's treated like a second-class citizen. And it's bad enough that she was, you know, her ancestors were treated uh, as second-class citizens or non-citizens at all. But now here she is in 2019, she's being treated by, by, uh, by folks who are not even citizens and second class. She was very, very upset because she complained about uh, the uh, health facilities in her neighborhood, a health facility in her neighborhood, again, where the priority of, of health attention, of medical attention, is going to illegal neighborhoods. We we have a crisis, my friends. Once again, George Aldegas, El Conservador, KLUP, 9.30 a.m. The answer. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez El Conservador and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friend, Stuart Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. All right, let's talk, let's continue talking a little bit more about this whole situation on the border, my friends, particularly uh, the angst, the anxiety attack that uh, a lot of folks had this past uh, week when uh, President Trump threatened to uh, shut down the border. Um, I mean, you know, just the numbers, and we, we talked about the numbers earlier. I mean, the, the, the uh, numbers just in March, um, 103,000 people just in March being apprehended at the border. Well, you know, I mean, to him, it is a crisis. To me, it's a crisis. To many people, it's a crisis. And uh, the issue is, what do we do about it? Well, one of the things that can be done about it is to shut down the border. And he threatened to shut down the border, which immediately immediately brought a meltdown from some folks, including including the Democrats. Now, let me mention this about the Democrats because I find this to be ironic and funny at the same time. Yes, ironic and funny. The, um, when, when he mentioned 
the closing of the of the border immediately uh, two congressmen from the uh, from the, from the uh, uh, border area, uh, Filimon Vela from the Brownsville area, and uh, and uh, Henry Cuellar, the congressman from Laredo, immediately started screaming and yelling about the border economy uh, and how it's going to suffer and all of this stuff. Well, uh, you know, let me point out, my friends, that uh, the two counties that are that uh, uh, Cuellar and Filimon Vela represents Cameron County in Brownsville, that's Vela, and Webb County in uh, Laredo, that's uh, Henry, Qua- that's uh, Cuellar. Those two counties, Webb County and, and, uh, and Cameron County, are among the poorest in the nation, poorer than uh, counties in Mississippi and in Alabama and in West Virginia. Yes, Poor, poor, poor. And why are they poor? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because the other person that had uh, an, an, uh, that was on, on uh, radio talking about this uh, was um, ICB, the uh, International Commerce Bank chairman, um, Dennis Nixon. And he told an interview, or he spoke about it in, in an interview with Texas Insider, that uh, there was going to be significant uh, economic repercussions uh, to the cities along uh, the Texas border if the board, if it was closed. However, you know, I've got to ask this, my friends. Let me ask this of you, a rhetorical question. Are the economic interests of a few businesses, of some businesses, are the economic interests of some businesses more important than the safety of all Americans? I mean, I want to, I want, I want to put it out there just straight forward. The historical economic ties between Mexico and uh, the United States, you know, those business and commercial interests, they are very, very close, particularly for the, uh, uh, for the com- uh, communities along the border. You know, Tijuana and San Diego, El Paso and Juarez, you know, these, uh, these are communities that uh, intermingle their economies to a large extent, in spite of the fact that there's an international border. They intermingle their, their economies. However, Let's remember, although these economies and their business and commercial interests may be close, in some cases they may be the same, the fact of the matter is that they live in two different countries. It's two different countries. And those two different countries have very different interests and visions. Okay? Can we honestly say that the metropolitan area in Laredo, Texas, and Nuevo Laredo, okay, their metropolitan, that, it's, that, that it really, really is one community just because of their economic ties. No, we can't because that's not true because they are two, they're located in two different countries, two radically different countries. The fact is that Mexican politicians, okay, here's the facts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them out for you and you, 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 you consider what I'm saying, okay? I'm not going to be offensive, just going to be factual, okay? The fact of, of the matter is, first of all, that Mexican politicians have long harbored jealousy and anger towards the United States since the War of 1848. They have. They lost. They're very upset. You know, Mexican, Mexican children, students are taught that Mexico lost over half of its nation to American aggression. To American expansion. They don't call it aggression usually. They call it expansion. And they're very upset about it. Well, you know, they weren't doing anything with it anyway. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, I hate to mock it, but I'm sorry. That's the fact. Those negative feelings regarding that resentment uh, of 1848, they're reflected, my friends. They're reflected in Mexico's respect and their lack of respect for the border. I remember, you know, growing up, I remember hearing relatives, I remember hearing friends of my family who lived on the other side of, of, of uh, the border, very, very upset, you know, that the border even existed. And they treated it like, you know, it, it was non, it, it was non-essential, not, not a, a non-existent thing. Well, even now, even now, now um, there are uh, international treaties such as water treaties and uh, fishing agreements that Mexico really doesn't honor. I mean, they pollute the Rio Grande tremendously, and they're not supposed to. But they, you know, hey, what the heck? No big deal. You know? So that's Mexican politicians. Mexico, Mexican border communi- communities also 
have flourished because of their proximity. The Mexican communities, not the U.S., they've, the Mexican communities have flourished because of the proximity to the United States. But they historically abuse immigration laws and even encourage illegal immigration. For example, not too long ago, there were a couple of people who were actually selling in uh, Nuevo Laredo, actually selling uh, maps on how to avoid, uh, where to avoid and how to avoid uh, the Border Patrol, how they could get into the United States uh, through trails that they knew that they could uh, take people. There are also folks that actively get contracted for in Nuevo Laredo to um, transport people across the border. You know, imagine that. Imagine that. You know, we're not living in the era of the braceros. This was in the 1950s, 1940s, when temporary Mexican workers came temporarily to the United States and then went home. You know, the people that are coming to the United States now are not Mexicans, although Mexicans are making a profit off of it by helping them. But uh, they're not Mexicans. They're Central Americans and as well as a variety of other third world nations. And um, so it's not the same situation, my friends. It's not the same situation. It's not Mexican communities sending Mexican workers. No, 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 no. Might be Mexican communities making a dollar off of illegal immigration, but it's not them. There's also the issue, my friends, of international crime. And uh, that plagues, that has been plaguing the border since, uh, since the 1848 since the border existed, you know, the famous story, the famous song by, um, oh my gosh, I forget, uh, Marty Robbins, the famous Marty Robbins song, the West Texas town of El Paso shooting. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, the, the lawlessness along the border has been, ha, has been something that has always been a given, a given. And co- now we've got cartels that are very, very well organized and, um, they uh, control the drug and human smuggling at the border. And so these international crime, crime cartels, my friends, they take a heavy toll on, American, uh, on Americans in, uh, in many, many ways. Not only the, the policing and law enforcement, but also the, uh, the drugs that they bring into the United States. While immigration was somewhat controlled in the past, my friends, it's completely out of, uh, out of control now. It is completely, completely out of control. Whereas a few hundred aliens used to illegally enter in a month in the past, now it's thousands, weekly thousands. <clears throat> Furthermore, we, ha- we, we can thank um, liberal politicians and judges that uh, illegal aliens now have public benefits, privileges, and rights at the cost of the taxpayer, which was not the case in the past. It was not the case in, case in the past. Now they do. It costs cost the taxpayer billions of dollars. Not only are the taxpayers paying foreign aid to these nations, now we're paying for their citizens who are here illegally. And, and these citizens <clears throat> are sending money home, remittance. So we're losing, man. We're losing it out. We're losing out <clears throat> in three manners. Then, of course, there's the economic interest that everybody keeps talking about. Well, that's the economic interest. The border is based <clears throat> on Mexican and international money, trade, and labor. That's the reality. Mexican deposits. Mexicans deposit their money in American banks to keep them safe because the American banks are safe. They also invest in American business ventures because they're also safer than, than investing them in Mexico. So again, the Mexican banks, like uh, International Commerce Bank, you know, they, they profit from it. Finally, there's the cheap labor, which has historically been used by businesses along the border. And uh, Mexican workers depress and compete for jobs in the U.S. Last week in Dallas, last week in Dallas, a major, uh, uh, a, a large corporation was busted for hiring illegal aliens and not only hiring them, exploiting them, but a may, I mean, and, and this had been going on for a long, long time and, and ice came in and busted them. That's the fact, my friends, 
illegal Mexican labor, illegal alien labor. It has uh, it has taken a toll on uh, on, on the American uh, system. So these are the reasons, my friends. These are some of the reasons we've got uh, folks like the Chamber of Commerce screaming and yelling that they don't want the, the border shut down. Well, I got news for you, my friends. We need to do something. We need to do something about illegal immigration, and we need to shut down the border to send a strong message to Mexico. That's why we need to shut it down, because we need to shut. We need to uh, build a wall. We need to close the asylum loopholes. We need to stop and ex- stop excusing and rewarding illegal immigration. And we certainly, certainly need to shut down the border to send a strong message to Mexico. My friends, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from uh, San Antonio, KLUP, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP, 930 AM, The Answer. All right, let's talk about some political corruption that's going on in uh, in South Texas. Uh, a little bit of news on that, and then we're also going to talk about what's happening in San Antonio uh, with regards to uh, defiance uh, of uh, immigration law. Uh, the both of them are, are intertwined, in my opinion, because of uh, because uh, the uh, political corruption uh, that I feel goes on in uh, these establishment communities. Uh, is really rampant uh, in South Texas, my friends. Now, let me let me remind you that in South Texas there have been major, major busts of uh, city attorneys, of county judges, of uh, city council people. I mean, it, it's been it's been a hodgepodge, a, a a a variety of people that have been arrested, like in Crystal City, the entire. Uh, the the entire city council, except for one person, were arrested for bra- for uh, corruption, including the city manager, the mayor, uh, two or three members of the city council, uh, and the city manager were all uh, arrested for uh, corruption. And uh, you know you've got that kind of situation going on constantly in South Texas. Um, for example, this past week it was announced that uh, the a former Hidalgo County, uh, that's along the border, Hidalgo County Commissioner uh, Arturo Cuellar, that's a nice Irish name, isn't it? Arturo Cuellar, uh, and uh, former City Commissioner John Cuellar, uh, uh, as well as a local attorney, Daniel Garcia, all of them good Irish names, can't you tell? Uh, they, uh, they, were, they were charged with fraud, conspiracy, and mon- money laundering. Uh, according to federal officials, the case was a long time bribery uh, scheme uh, over construction contracts. And it's commonly called, my friends, what it is, it's pay to play. In other words, uh, if a contractor of a business wants uh, wants to do business, uh, wants to do any kind of contracting uh, with a uh, community or, or a government, a governmental entity, be it the city, be it the county, uh, be it the school district, well, they've got to, uh, they've got to pay to play. They've got to uh, give a little, uh, a little something on the extra on the side, uh, so that uh, you know their contract will be looked upon favorably. Uh, and the arrests don't stop with those three. Okay, don't stop with that. Rio Grande Municipal Judge Leo Lopez pleaded guilty uh, in a in a in his role in the same case. My friends, I- incredible. Now the majority of these convictions have been the vast majority. The vast majority are Democrats. Uh, because the party, the Democrat Party, dominates uh, the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas. And these Democrats have controlled the state, uh, county, municipal, and school boards in South Texas for decades. And uh, so, you know, uh, when, when one party is in control, you know, my friends, they are, uh, you're going to have this kind of problem. In another situation, also in South Texas, in the, uh, in the, in the Rio Grande Valley, Westlaco City Commissioner Terry Tafoya, another good Irish name, Terry Jerry Tafoya, uh, he became the latest elected official to be charged with bribery, 
surrounding a uh, uh, the, the the city waters uh, a city water treatment facility. Uh, Tafoya uh, pleaded guilty to one count of federal program in, uh, federal uh, bribery last Monday uh, for allegedly accepting bribes in 2011 from 2011 to uh, through 2014. Uh, and these were related to contracts, again, contracts for construction and rehabilitation of the Westlaco water facility. It's incredible, my friends. It's incredible. Former, um, this, uh, this is uh, all part of this whole situation that we uh, talked about in, in, uh, earlier about Hidalgo County. Uh, these are the problems that we've got, my friends, in the South Texas communities who uh, uh, we were talking about uh, earlier, uh, folks worry about the economy. Well, the economy is in the toilet anyway. And this is why these folks can get away with it because there are only poor people and poor people really, really, you know, the only thing they want is just uh, to, to keep their job and, and, and put food, food on their table. They don't have really, really a lot of time to, to invest. The worst, worst nightmare for these communities, for these political bosses, for these corrupt elected officials, you know what would be their worst nightmare? Their worst nightmare would be people who are economically independent and who are politically independent. I mean, that would be their worst nightmare. Economic independence. Oh, my gosh. That means that they wouldn't need you. Well, let's turn to what's happening in San Antonio, my friends. Let's turn to what's happening in San Antonio. San Antonio, my friends, in my opinion, is violating the state's anti-sanctuary law. Uh, I found out through sources this past week that uh, the city of San Antonio is violating, uh, is, in my opinion, is violating those, uh, that, anchor, uh, that um, anti-sanctuary law by uh, assigning the San Antonio Fire Department to um, work with, med- with uh, health cases at Travis Methodist Church with where uh, they're, they're harboring 40 e- e- illegal Ill- aliens, 40 of them. And these, uh, these uh, medical, this medical staff from the San Antonio uh, Fire Department, uh, they're assigned to two-hour uh, shifts, 24 hours a day. Two-hour shifts, they've got to go down there, okay? Now, we should remember, my friends, we should remember the large number of cases of mumps, measles, and other diseases that are being reported at detention centers and that have been reported at detention, detention centers, ICE detention centers, since this border crisis began. And now we're going to have San Antonio uh, Fire Department folks down there mixing with these folks. You know, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it is really, really insane. Citizens, you know, uh, we, they have to stand up and demand that illegal immigration be punished rather than be excused and rewarded because that is what is happening with this situation. The, the folks who are in these, um, <coughs> excuse me, the folks who are in these detentions, uh, in these holding facilities uh, have, been, have uh, been sick and contagious. Now they've been released and now they're bringing their, their uh, potential for illness to our uh, community, my friends. Now, you know, it, it, it's, I hate to sound heartless, but don't we have enough problems with our own sick that we've got to do this? I, I, I mean, it's incredible. Now, let me give you another, another story that, that's equally outrageous. Last, uh, this past week, uh, in a, what I call a clear example of interference of free markets and private business, uh, not to mention another example of facilitating illegal immigration. The city of San Antonio, the attorney, an attorney for the city of San Antonio asked a bus company in Eagle Pass. The bus company is named <coughs> Aguila, uh, Aguila Express. They asked the bus company to stop, get this, <clears throat> overcharging illegal aliens for tickets from, the, from Eagle Pass to San Antonio. You know, uh, Andres, uh, Andrew Segovia, the, um, the city attorney, wrote a letter to the bus company saying that um, the valued, the vulnerable, the vulnerable nature of this population is no sick, is secret. 
they are already overwhelmed without having to deal with predatory, predatory, he calls it, or illegal business practices. The mistreatment of these individuals must cease immediately. I want to know, my friends, how can and why should the San Antonio city government tell a private business what to charge for their service? What's next? They're going to, they're, they're going to demand that the price for hamburgers be reduced for certain groups and populations? I mean, ridiculous, my friends. Aguila, uh, Aguila Express has been charging illegal aliens uh, that are released in Eagle Pass by the Border Patrol about $75 a ticket, which is, uh, they consider, three times higher than what the regular fee is. But, my friends, that's what the people are paying. <clears throat> that's what they're willing to pay. Perhaps, um, you know, the, uh, uh, perhaps he forgets that these same illegal aliens have paid thousands of dollars to human smugglers to get them to the border. They have. You know, maybe, maybe Segovia can, can write a letter to, to the smugglers and ask them to lower their prices while he's at it. Of course, the San Antonio uh, Express, the liberal paper here in town, wrote, has written uh, one-sided and sympathetic reports uh, about this situation. And they've interviewed uh, about a dozen of the illegal aliens who, of course, give, you know, uh, are viewed as victims in this whole situation. <clears throat> Never mind, they came illegally to the United States. However, the fact in the real world is that market forces rule. If people, if people are willing to pay thousands of dollars to come to the United States illegally and $75 for a ticket from Eagle Pass to San Antonio, let the free market rule, my friends. Let the free market rule. It is not up to the city of San Antonio to determine prices that a, that a private business can, can, can own. That's number one. Or can charge, rather. That's number one. Number two, it is none of the city's business on what illegal aliens uh, pay or do other than to protect the citizen of, the, of, of, uh, of San Antonio, the legal resident of San Antonio. You know, again, I hate to sound heartless, my friends, but what part of the word illegal don't they understand? Don't, don't the city uh, attorneys, I mean, and these are attorneys, heaven forbid, Heaven help us. <clears throat> you know, they should be worrying. They should be worrying about the taxpayer of San Antonio, about the citizen of San Antonio. For them to step out and ask a private business in Eagle Pass to lower their prices that they charge uh, a, 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 a person, let alone an illegal alien. Uh, you know, it's outrageous, my friends. It's absolutely outrageous. This is another reason why the citizens of San Antonio have got to get out and vote and change the government that they have got um, at City Hall. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez and Conservador talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for being with us. We'll be right back. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 9.30 a.m. TheAnswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Once again, my friends, George Diggs, El Conservador, talking to you from KLUP on uh, 9.30 a.m., The Answer. And, uh, forgive me, we've got um, a special guest with us today. We've got uh, Congressman Chip Roy, uh, who is, uh, we've invited to come on the show and uh, chat with us about what's happening in Washington. And uh, welcome to the show, Congressman. Hey, George, how are you? Great to be on the show, and uh, really hope you're doing well, and uh, uh, look forward to chatting. 
<laughs> it is, uh, I think summer has hit us. It's, it's 90 degrees here. I hope, uh, I hope you're staying cool over there. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I am, I'm happily back in the great state of Texas, which means my, uh, my happiness quotient goes, goes way up. Oh, yes. Uh, I've, got a, I've got an event in San Antonio tonight. Go see some friends, and I'm uh, and, uh, just happy to be back in Texas. It's great. Well, welcome to the show. Let's talk about what's happening in, uh, in, in, uh, in Washington. What are the things... You know, what, what are the things that you're working on and what can you talk, tell us about what's going on? Well, obviously, you know, the number one issue that we've been spending our time on, uh, at least you and I and, and then the Republicans and conservatives in Congress have been focusing on trying to secure the border. Unfortunately, our Democrat colleagues don't seem to care at all about our nation's sovereignty, nor the security of the American people or the migrants who seek to come here. Uh, we've got a unbelievable uh, crisis. It's truly an emergency at our border. You know this. Any thinking, observing American with eyes knows this. Uh, but Democrats just literally don't care. And uh, frankly, I'm just going to be a little honest. I think Republicans need to care a little bit more than they do. We ought to be fighting tooth and nail in Congress, uh, trying to make sure that we're holding Democrats and forcing them on votes and forcing them to do everything they need to do. There's a limit to what we can do with Nancy Pelosi in charge. But, but uh, you know, we ought to be fixing asylum and fixing uh, this catch and release that's going on and, and – uh, Unfortunately, Democrats are not uh, interested in working with us. You know, it's very, very interesting, Congressman. I was down in McAllen uh, last week uh, observing yep. and watching what's going on. And, uh, you know, at the same time that I was down there, I, I heard uh, Bernie Sanders carrying on about how uh, we should have universal health care or Medicare for everyone, Medicare for everyone. And I thought to myself, does that include all of these uh, undocumented folks that are crossing and who's going to pay for that? I mean, you know, the spending. So uh, what uh, what can you tell us about the battle over health care? Well, you know, the, obviously the, the uh, left is is uh, incredulous in terms of their uh, uh, talking about Medicare for all and believing that they can promise uh, the world to everybody, when in fact the problem we've got, as you know, is that prices are sky high, very specifically because of Obamacare and the government uh, meddling and in, 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 in eliminating essentially the market. And here's the real dirty secret, right? Uh, Democrats run around trying to bankrupt and undo our entire health care system because they say some people are going to be left uh, without coverage when they have pre-existing conditions or they've got a condition. Well, the fact is, all of us have pre-existing conditions. We're mortal. The question is, is how do you develop a system that works? And you and I both know, for every uh, part of our life, for food, shelter, clothing, you want to have an open market, lots of doctors, lots of uh, options, drive prices down, and that's what we ought to be seeking instead of something like Medicare for All, which will cost $40 trillion. And even just yesterday, I was reading a story about uh, rationing in the U.K., the United Kingdom, and Britain for cataracts for the elderly. And people are going blind while they're waiting while this care is being rationed. Now, I can tell you in the United States of America, I believe in healthcare freedom. I don't believe in government rationing care. And that's exactly where the Democrats want to go with this. Instead of doing something that's sensible and ensuring that people can actually have access to doctors through direct primary care, through health sharing ministries and organizations, health savings accounts, they want to have a one-size-fits-all government solution. We just need to convince Republicans not to buy into what they're selling. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of worries me all the time about this, this battle uh, over health care because it makes it so easy to sound sympathetic over anything. I mean, you've got uh, that uh, night show host uh, that was crying over his, uh, his son. And, you know, I, we, all feel, we all feel bad for, uh, for, for your health issues. But uh, the question is, how do you have an effective system that uh, doesn't bankrupt the, whole, the, the nation? I mean, that's, it, it's, well, it's the, very interesting. The, the, the fact is, George, is that it is the government programs that were designed in theory or, or sold to make sure that people are covered, like Obamacare, saying, well, okay, we'll take care of everybody's pre conditions. Well, the fact is, there are now a lot of people, millions of Americans on the outside looking in, who've lost their private care, who can't access their doctors, who can no longer afford care, whose premiums have doubled or tripled, who are in counties in America where they can't get actual private insurance. Doctors are getting out of the business, all because... Government said it could get in with its infinite wisdom and solve the problem. Government <laughs> is causing people to be without health care and therefore face the prospect of having a condition and not being covered. We can solve that problem. Our goal is to get people to go be able to go to their doctor and then have coverage for catastrophic emergency when you get something like cancer or have a, you know, a condition or something that needs 
significant expensive treatment. There are so many ways for us to do this, and uh, uh, we don't lack for ideas. We lack for willpower. But I'm proud of the president for standing up and saying he was going to side with the state of Texas and, and not try to defend Obamacare against Texas' challenge in court, where Texas won in a district court in Texas, and now we're in the Fifth Circuit. And uh, the president was right to do that. And I'm glad he did. Well, it's amazing. It, it really, it really is good to see a president that's that's fighting. I mean, it, it's uh, it's nice to to have somebody that that doesn't back down on this stuff. Let me take you back once again to to uh, immigration, my my friend, because sure. because uh, you know the worrisome that we've got here is uh, again, how are we going to how are we ever going to address this issue? Uh, you know, we closing the border. There's so much opposition to that, as well as uh, you know the, the the loopholes that are there for everything else for for anybody and everybody to get in. Uh, what do you see? I mean, what are the discussions about it? So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of our discussion has been about the actual physical assets at the border and needing a fence and needing those barriers, and we need those. Uh, also being discussed, and, and it, it for months has been being discussed, is our need to fix the broken asylum system that's being abused by cartels on our border, exploited by cartels to profit. The Gulf cartel is going to make $150 million or more this year moving uh, illegal immigrants through the Rio Grande Valley. The uh, uh, cartels on the right side of Los Zetas are going to do the same thing closer to between uh, Laredo and Big Ben. And they profit on moving these people. We need to uh, take on the cartels. That's why I introduced a bill with my friend Mark Green from Tennessee to declare these cartels, these specific cartels, as foreign terrorist organizations to help us go after them. And we need to immediately start enforcing our asylum laws the way they're meant to be enforced. And frankly, I'm going to fast forward to this. And I'm going to say, I think the president of the United States is going to have to tell some of these judges who keep issuing injunctions when we try to enforce our laws and try to hold the line at the border, he's going to need to start telling some of these judges to pound sand. Exactly. I think we're getting to the point <laughs> where these judges need to be either ignored, impeached, or we need to make sure that we fast-track some sensible judges if we know they're out of line. But at the end of the day, the president is the Article II commander-in-chief, and he has, I believe, constitutional authority to do what is necessary to secure the border of the United States and stop people from coming in illegally. Amen to that, because, uh, I mean, most recently I was reading about how uh, the Ninth Circuit uh, Court, uh, again, a, a judge over there in California, ruled that uh, that uh, asylum folks that uh, uh, didn't have to wait in, in Mexico anymore, that they, uh, you know, as per the agreement that president that the president and the president of Mexico had made. I don't understand that. I really don't understand that. Well, it's getting extraordinary, and I, and I actually haven't seen there was two injunctions today. Uh, you can't keep up with them all. I'm getting a, a, sum, a summary sent to me uh, later this afternoon. But, you know, that we keep getting these judges who keep coming in and trying to uh, you know, enforce their will upon the American people. The American people are fairly unified in wanting to have a secure border, have a sovereign nation, still be a welcoming nation to immigrants, people who are seeking relief. We want to make sure that those who truly need asylum have the opportunity to get asylum. But Asylum is being used as a, uh, a wide-open door to just come into the country and then be caught and released and then uh, just be uh, living in the United States and uh, not actually have to go through and, and make a determination on actual asylum. It's usually only about 10% or, or not even that, frankly, of the number of people coming across that might have a legitimate claim for asylum. And so this is something that the uh, administration needs to address quickly. They're running into bureaucrats at the USCIS at the, at the Department of Homeland Security um, and the you know Immigration Services and and these bureaucrats are getting in their way and they're going to have to uh, try to do something about that. Wow, I, I, you know, uh, I I don't uh, I really really uh, wonder about uh, how we can overcome this bureaucracy in in, uh, in Washington, not only in, in within the Immigration Service but uh, all the rest of the uh, agencies on how we can ever overcome. You know, folks who think that they know what's best and who are really only looking out for their own jobs rather than than for the interest of uh, of, of the people of uh, the United States. Uh, Congressman, one more last thing. Uh, what uh, what other stuff do you see coming down the down the pike? What other issues or what other things are you working on? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, well, I, I campaign. We talked about two of them, health care, freedom, uh, border security. And I've been trying to fight on both of those things. The third biggest thing that I focused on. Uh, was spending. 
Oh, and my gosh. And making sure that we uh, try to work towards a balanced budget. And in so doing, the fourth big thing is making sure our men and women in uniform have a clear mission, the tools they need, and the care when they get home. Everything else should be left to the states. So I've been trying to work on that. I'm on the, uh, on the United States House Budget Committee. Uh, we were just going through the process. Democrats refused to put forward a budget. Uh, fairly embarrassingly, actually, they didn't even try. They didn't get it out. Of, they didn't try in committee. They got to the floor. They didn't even pass the uh, spending levels that they passed out of the budget committee. They only passed a rule to deal with those spending levels because their side was so fractured. Uh, they couldn't even get agreement. They had three different groups, couldn't agree on the spending levels. But I can tell you this. What they put forward was $1.375 trillion of discretionary spending, <laughs> which is the most in, most in our country's history, uh, that what they're doing is massively busting the caps. And here's the warning shot for all of your Republican and conservative listeners out there. The Republicans in Senate and the Republicans in the House are working right now to find a way to reach consensus to bust the caps even further than they have the last two years. Oh, you're kidding. They want a new caps deal. They want to spend more money. They have no interest in balancing the budget or finding a way to actually limit spending. And this is one of the things that I plan to keep keep fighting and trying to highlight to the American people. And I did so in the budget committee. I was the only Republican to refuse to sign the minority views, which the Republicans signed, because that minority views accepted the idea that we should bust the caps. And oh, my I gosh. To use our men and women in uniform as a tool to continue to spend our children's future. And that's what Republicans are, are ready and willing to do if the, if the American people don't demand they do better and support the president, who's at least trying to hold the line. We need to support the president in this fight. Gotcha. Congressman, thank you very, very much for joining us today. And uh, we will um, be sure to get you back on so that you, you can keep us abreast of what's going on uh, in the swamp. And, uh, for, and, and you know, I've I got to tell the folks. I am so proud that you are my congressman, Congressman Chip Roy from the 21st District of Texas. Thank you very, very oh, much for serving. It's my, it's my honor, George. Can't wait to, to visit with you and come back on the show again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.